Mick McGuan's on the line because it's a bumper weekend across all three codes. The headline probably is the AG Hunter Cup in the trots. And Mickey, as I say, good afternoon to you. What a great race that shapes tomorrow night. Yeah, it's an outstanding race, Matt, isn't it? Uh, good afternoon to you and also to Steve-O. Uh, but you look at this race, over 2,760 metres, Group 1 event. The Hunter Cup is one of the most prestigious races to participate in, but more so win on the harness racing calendar. And Saturday night at Melton, we've got a absolutely fantastic field to sit back and observe. I think there's probably any one of five chances that could possibly win the race. Um, how the race is going to be run is the intriguing element of it. I think Spirit of St. Louis drawn in barrier one with Jack Callahan. You'd think it's the early leader will try to hold up, considering that if they just allow copy that like they did in the Ballarat Cup to work its way to the front, hardly being extended, it clearly becomes the horse to beat. So if Spirit of St. Louis holds the front to work with its stable-made expensive ego and it leaves copy that posted, you've got to ask yourself how much work does Spirit of Louis do in that situation. So I think no matter which way you look at it, copy that number six can still find its way to the front and becomes the horse to beat. Expensive ego at some stage will come around to the death seat and I think he'll try to be the first horse to do that, even though Rock and Roll do would like to probably be in that position, but I think Luke McCarthy drawn inside Rock and Roll do on the second row will certainly have that move covered. And that allows horses like Honolulu Bay to be driven quietly for David Moran. It was terrific in the Ballarat Cup, and if it gets the race to suit, and there's a lot of heat on up front, and it gets good cover, uh, we know he can reel off a really strong last six to 800 metres. It could be... Uh, the each-way player in the race if they overdo it up front. And the other one that I think can be in contention at winning the race is number 13, Old Town Road. It was very good in the Ballarat Cup. It's around a $9 chance. And I can see it sort of running home very strongly at the back end of the race if uh, there is a war up front. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think as, exactly as you pointed out there, Mick, um, Spirit of St. Louis does look to be the early leader. And I think the neutral observer, uh, observer, would be hoping that's the case because you want there to be a race here, don't you, Mick? If copy that can find the front, it could just be all over. Yeah, and there's that element to it, but there's also an element of that McCarthy stable mates to say we're, we're hell-bent on keeping the lead mm. and an expensive ego wants to get into the race to sit in his preferred probably death seat role. Copy that would work to the, uh, the death seat before he does. So if those three don't relent or one of them doesn't relent which copy that won't give the death seat to expensive ego. He'll push forward. If Spirit and Slowly wants to keep the front, those three could be engaged in a war. And that's when it invites you know, horses like Honolulu Bay or Old Town Road or even Major Meister into the fold to be run on jobs. And let's not forget you know, a horse like Hurricane Harley that'll be smoking the pipe sitting behind leader in that scenario. And if it does get... Uh, if Spirit St. Louis does decide to hand up the lead, Hurricane Harley can be three fence doing no work, and we know it can reel off a really strong last 400 metres as well. Yeah, it's uh, going to be a fascinating race. Mick, how excited are you to see the return of Captain Ravishing there tomorrow? We haven't seen him since the Breeders' uh, Crown Series. He's the short price favourite in just about every market that he's entered in for the rest of the year. He's a dollar ten tomorrow night. Um, how excited are you to see him back at the races? Oh, absolutely exciting. Um, this is what the trots need. They need a pin-up horse that people here in Victoria can gravitate to, really wrapped to the tabers. Um, they've done a lot of work over the long period of time in the industry, and to see them have a good horse, even though it's now trained by 
Clayton, Tonkin and Emma Stewart. Uh, this horse is um, just you know, once-in-a-generation type horse, I think. He's got to get with at the top level, but against you know, four-year-olds um, in a Group 2 event over 1,720, I think he'll take no prisoners. He'll make a statement on Saturday night. He'll bully his way to the front. Invitation only. He'll probably hand up the lead to it, and then three fence will be he's the son of a gun. The only way to get some money out of this race from a betting perspective, and that's what it's about, I think he's the son of a gun. The $1.60, $1.65 is the logical place bet. It'll be doing no work, three fence for Matt Craven. And once uh, Captain Ravishing with Mark Pitt lets that horse drive, it'll break out those in the running line and the horse who's going to get the ideal running transit is going to be he's the son of the gun. I think the dollar ten is no off, no value for Captain Ravishing to win the race. The dollar sixty-five, the dollar sixty-three is the son of the gun. He's yeah, can't wait on the place. Can't wait for it. It's uh, two huge nights at Melton and RSN nine two seven will be across it all. We'll be out there tomorrow night doing interviews on track uh, alongside the, the Racing dot com broadcast as well. So it's going to be. Uh, a huge night tomorrow at Melton. What about in the gallops this weekend, Mick? Uh, that's pr- the, the program tomorrow at Sandown um, is pretty interesting. There's some good two-year-olds going around, and we're certainly starting to see the good horses return now. Yeah, and this is why it's exciting time of the year, and this is why this debate, considering they want to mess with the calendar, the powers to be, and the uh, impact on the autumn if you're delaying the lateness of the Cox Plate, for example. I know we've heard some from some of our prominent Melbourne and also Sydney-based trainers that they shouldn't mess with what's probably been based uh, on the back of tradition and it's worked beautifully to morph into the autumn campaign. And when you see horses coming out like we have recently, uh, there's a really strong argument for not trying to mess with it. But onwards and upwards to tomorrow, I just want to kickstart the day, Matt, with a horse that I want to back to take on the odds-on favourite inundation and that's number three, Fire. Mm. I think for the Hawks stable and Oliver in the saddle gets two kilos less than the odds on favourite inundation. I admit that there's no speed in the race and inundation looks the likely leader, but I think the Oliver will be understanding of that. And for barrier seven, I think he let him slide. And the way he trialled um, just before he's come down here to Melbourne to race in this race first up, I just love the way he hit the line. He extended nicely up the straight and really hit the line like a good horse. He's two from two at the track and trip. And I think he'll be hard to beat. I prefer to have something on it at three dollar seventy rather than inundation at a dollar eighty. From a sentimental standpoint, uh, me being a good mate and Collingwood person, uh, I'd love to see Lane ring uh, run well in race one as well. And for Peter Moody, we know how great a trainer he is and how his horses are going. It might be one for the exotics as well. And in race seven, um, I want to have an each way play on a horse here that I thought really hit the line strongly in the standish. And that's Vespertine, number two. Um, I know the uh, Rose Court's a scratch, so it's probably upset the price that I did take last night at $8. It was in the $7.50 and two forty. Now it's in the $4.40 on the big toe at fixed odds. But I think second up out to 1300 is perfect for this horse. Soft is no problem. And it's got a fantastic record second up. And as I said, I just love the way it hit the line first up. If you watch the replay, its last 100, 150 metres was uh, really exciting, and that's the reason why I think this horse is an each-way play in race seven. All right. All right, I like that, Mick. Yeah, there's plenty of interesting horses there tomorrow at Sandown. What about in the Greyhounds? We had the go- a Group 1 Gold Bully in there last night at Albion Park, and we've got the uh, the Western Districts Derby Final tonight at Ballarat. Um, where does your attention turn this weekend in the Dogs? I'm going to have one bet and take it in some Maltese, and that's to the Meadows tomorrow night. I think race seven, number two, Modern Kalinda. 
Um, it's a greyhound that's ideally boxed, uh, close to the rails. It's absolutely flying for Jason Thompson, and we know he's one of the best trainers in the land. This greyhound is a really exciting young greyhound that's racing particularly well at the moment. It's all importing it for three hours. If some place you can get two dollars ten at the tote, it's dollar seventy-five. And if you can shop well and get the two dollars ten, I think that represents great value. So race seven, number two. Modern Kalinda is the best of the night at the Meadows tomorrow night. Seven, number two at the Meadows. I like it, Mickey. Now, I saw a photo of you throughout the week, which might have been taken by our AFL editor, Mark Stevens, who happens to be in the studio with me at the moment, Mick. Isn't he a spy? Of you yeah. signing on. Was he learning off you the, the, the skills and the tricks to track watching? Mm. Yeah, we uh, sat next to each other watching the kangaroos, and I spoke to Cozzy last night on air talking about the influence that Alistair Clarkson has already had on the North Melbourne playing group. I love it when coaches really address the finer points of the game and really strip it back to fundamentals, and that's what I witnessed uh, with Alistair Clarkson and North Melbourne. If you compare with what I saw last year with David Noble, in all due respect, they were miles away with what they were trying to implement at North Melbourne compared to what my eyes are currently seeing, and you'll see that come out in their practice matches. I'm not saying they're going to make dramatic inroads from where they finished last year to be a top eight team in 2023. But certainly he's on this journey of improvement. He's on this journey of teaching the players what the expectations are. And more importantly, the attention to detail, just the basic fundamentals, how you stand the mark, ensuring you train it, how you work your craft in contested marking situations. That's important coming across at different angles. Let's train it so our players are ready for it. And even, you know, two-on-two, three-on-three, stoppage practice where the ball's hitting the ground and just having strong eyes to understand where the ball on its point might, might bounce to, I think they're things that really make the player better that you have to train it so they become habitual, and that's what he's clearly doing at North Melbourne. Oh, I'm fascinated to see how the Kangaroos can go uh, this year. That They need a little bit of a spark. Mark Stevens is going to provide that spark on Big V Racing in a moment. Yeah, it was a real education going to Arden Street with Mickey McGuan, I've got to say. I noticed down uh, the far goals, uh, Damien Munkhorst was signing autographs. We were laughing at right. that. There was a Collingwood supporter hanging around getting um, premiership players from 1990 just to sign a book. Big Monkey. And then this guy, a big bearded guy, a little bearded guy, actually started walking towards us. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, do you know where Gavin Brown is? Do you know where Gavin Brown is? Yeah. I said, he's over there. But I said, here's Mick McGuan right next to me. He said, yeah. is it? Is it really? I'm like, wow. <laughs> oh, pretty happy to see you, Mick. Uh, Steve, you're an idiot. <laughs> no, um, it's great to see Mark. He's been a Collingwood supporter for a long period of time, apparently. And Brad Rowe was one of his favourite players. And hence the reason why he's got the free-flowing locks on top of his scone. Uh, but it was great to see. Uh, I stayed back, Steve-O, after you left, and I um, walked around behind the goals to see Brownie. Monkey had just walked off the track, unfortunately, but I had a good chat to Gab for about five minutes, and he uh, was super he was super impressed with the way Alistair Clarkson's going about it and what he's trying to put in place at North Melbourne. And you can just tell by his voice um, that he's really enjoying the learning environment that Clarko's bringing to North Melbourne, but also the strong standards He's wanting, his play, he's wanting his players to uphold. Oh, they're brilliant. And I thought you summed it up really well, Mick. And what you were saying to me and the little things, I read that in the Herald Sun. Are you feeding information there? Because that was extraordinary. I read the track report in the Herald Sun. Who wrote it? I'm not sure who wrote it, but it was exactly what Mick was telling me. Oh. Um, well, your good mate, Glenn McFarlane, was there, but 
obviously you were so embraced in taking phone calls from RSN <laughs> to give feedback that uh, Glenn might have been uh, a person that I spoke to on the back of uh, that training um, experience and he basically wrote what we spoke about and his eyes saw, so he had a job to do for Harold Sun and he didn't know I was there because it was a phone call post uh, the training session and uh, it was just a matter of coincidence that we spoke that day and he may have been the one that wrote something that we spoke about. Uh, it was a very smart article, Mick, and just the way you analyse the footy, sensational. So who would you be most impressed with as a track watcher as you get around so far um, in this pre-season? I said last week, Steve, I, I went and watched the Bulldogs, your club, and I know you love the Bullies. Mm-hmm. I said to um, Cozzy, if there's one person I'd be entertaining right now to have a bet on the Brownlow, it would be Marcus Bontempelli. And I know a lot of people love investing in the Brownlow a long way out because that's where you can get good odds. Uh, but Marcus Bontempelli, the player he is, the health that his body's in, I watched him closely at the start of the year last year. He was outstanding. By mid-season, you could tell he was playing inhibited footy because of his hip injury, and he probably lost that power out of stoppage. Kicking depth just wasn't there. And just the energy levels had been sapped a little bit, but I've watched him closely on a couple of occasions now, and with what I saw last Friday, he's in fantastic nick. He's going to play a lot more around the footy, you'd think, because of the loss of Josh Dunkley to Brisbane. They need him around the ball to compliment McRae and also Libertore. I think they'll try to invite Waitman and Bailey Smith and probably Ryan, uh, young Garcia through to more midfield minutes. And let's face it, they have to increase their numbers through that part of the ground because it can't be left to too few. I did a little bit of homework last week and I just looked at the centre bounce attendances of all clubs. They only had seven players that attended centre bounces last year from a midfield perspective. You compare that to Geelong, who won the Premiership, they had 20. So I think they've got to evolve their midfield group and be deeper. But the catalyst and the most important constant is two. I think the two that have to be in there mostly are Libertore and also with Bontempelli. Uh, if that's the case, Bontempelli could have a terrific year and win a Brownlow medal. Mm-hmm. He's been the most impressive I've seen from a big-name perspective. There's been other kids that have jumped out at me, but from a big-name perspective, um, he's setting the scene, and rightfully so, he's captain of the club. All right, so the Bont, we get on him mm-hmm. now for the Brownlow medal. Steve, have you had a bet yet? Steve-O? Is that Steve-O or me? No, Steve-O. I don't know if Steve-O's had a bet yet. No, I haven't, but I have been watching Bont train. He looks magnificent at the moment. So. $13 you get for the yeah. Brownlow. I think, if anything, he's underrated. For some reason, slipped off the radar. Do you think he's underrated? Underrated? No. Well, no, a lot of people. No, no in, in people doing their top tens and whatever at the moment, he doesn't seem to be appearing. He's just seemed to have gone out of flavour a bit. I don't know why. Uh, obviously, they don't watch footy closely enough. Bontempelli <laughs> is one of the best players in the competition. Oh, no doubt you know, he is. I, I don't know who's drawing up their top ten and leaving the Bont out. That's uh, that's a little bit silly, I think. Yeah. Anyway, $13 for the Brownlow. All right, Mick, uh, appreciate your insights across uh, all three codes and also the footy this week. Look forward to having you uh, on RSN right throughout the week, throughout the season. It's, um, it's certainly getting closer now, and we're all excited. Uh, go well on the pun over the weekend. Yeah, let's do well, boys. Thanks, Mick.